Welcome to Beer, Beats, and Business, the business podcast for smart people who appreciate the insights found in a good conversation. That guy sitting at the end of the proverbial bar is your host, David J.P. Fisher, but everyone around here just calls him D-Fish. He's an author, speaker, and business coach. Basically, he's a professional talker. So grab a glass of your favorite beverage, grab a seat, and join us for today's episode. Let's see where the conversation takes us. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another interesting conversation with an interesting person. Today, the role of interesting person is being played by my friend Steve Watt. Steve is the marketing director at Seismic, and amongst other things, he leads their efforts across social selling and employee advocacy. Steve, how are you doing today? Thanks for having me on, Dee. I, I, you, you caught me off guard there because I thought, who's this interesting person you're going to introduce? Because it can't, can't be me. I was, I was looking around like, who else you, who else you bringing on the show? Like, as if, right? It's all good. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, before we get started, of course, as always, I do want to say thank you to our sponsors, our beer sponsor today, uh, Dovetail Brewing from right here in uh, Chicago, Illinois. Uh, I am drinking their uh, Baltic style porter, which is described on the side of the can as milk, chocolate, stone fruit, toasty. Uh, so I think those could also be used to describe uh, some of my friends uh, as well. Uh, but it's delicious. I've had it before. Thank you to uh, Dovetail Cheers for supporting us. And also to our season sponsor, Northcut SEO, my friend Corey Northcut over there running a, a, a ragged crew of amazing SEO people. They're not even ragged. They're they're a pretty they're kind of a, a pretty awesome group of people who uh, do SEO like nobody's business. If you want to be found online, they're the people to talk to and you can find them online at northcut.com and there's two T's in cut. All right, bills are paid. We can now move on. Steve, here's the question. Uh, you and I have had this conversation offline many times about social selling and LinkedIn and kind of where the digital presence really kind of lives in our current engagement with prospects and clients and customers, uh, all that kind of good stuff. So here's my question. What are people getting wrong about social selling and using digital in the sales process? Oh, so much. How much time do we have? Because like, seriously, <laughs> you get and me. I, know, I have no opinions on this at all. You get me wound up on that. I could go all day, my friend. Um, what are people getting wrong about social selling? Well, let's just start with the mindset. I think a awful large portion of people doing so-called, I don't know, are we on video here or just audio? Because I'm doing air quotes, air quote, <laughs> social. It's just audio. It's just audio. Okay. But yeah, well, I think imagine me making it. Feel your air quotes. There. Okay, air quotes. Social <laughs> selling. They're not doing social selling. They're 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 just hunting. They're just spamming. They see mm. LinkedIn as this big watering hole, and they think they're the lion, and they're they're just going to go in there and feast. And you know what? Nobody wants to be your gazelle. Nobody wants to be your lunch. Nobody is on LinkedIn to be hunted. Mm. And the exact people that you want to hunt are the people that everybody else is hunting. Like, oh, I got to go uh, senior executives, senior leaders. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, well, guess what? You, like, I mean, everybody's trying to hunt them and they long ago stopped responding. And if, right. if you know, most so-called air quote, again, social sellers are not doing anything of, of consequence because they're just hunting and they're just spamming. And it also doesn't work. Um, right. So that stems from the wrong mindset. It stems from 
short-term transactional metrics. It stems mm. from thinking that social selling is only a top of funnel lead acquisition play. I look at social selling entirely differently. I see it about I, I see it as as building reputation and building trust at scale. I see it as building mm, and nurturing that. relationships. I see it as becoming a magnet and and pulling people towards you. I see it as helping you as an individual seller and your firm stand out and stand above this ridiculously overcrowded world in which we live in. And you're not going to do that by just doing the same thing everybody else does. Like, I think, I think that, that if, if 99 other people are going to, you know, do it one way and you approach it with a different mindset and different metrics and different activities, it's, it's an amazingly big opportunity. I love that. I, when you're describing kind of that hunting mentality, it make, makes me think of obviously the the connect and pitch, you know, that that we've seen a lot, especially in the pandemic. But what I think it also leads to is that most sales, um, and I don't even want to set, throw sales professionals under the bus here because I think it's it's stemming from a leadership standpoint or even just you know kind of a, a lack of uh, real understanding of these platforms. They they go to something like LinkedIn and they they don't realize it's different. They go, oh, here's just another place to do email, right? Or here's just another place to do cold calling. To your point about it being top of funnel, there there wasn't really an understanding that this is a different context. It's just oh, now I can you know search for VP of uh, operations, and then I'm just going to send a bunch of emails, and that actually worked about 10 years ago, right? Uh, and that went before people really were on LinkedIn uh, in droves like they are now. But I, beyond mindset, I think there's even just a lack of understanding that these are these tools require a, a, not only a different mindset, but uh, let's just say it like different skills or different kind of training. Have you seen that? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I'm a firm believer, mindsets, skill sets, tool sets in that order. So we talked about the mindsets and then, and then the skill sets, as you said, absolutely. So once you reframe your mindset, once you, you, you move beyond those things I was talking about and and you instead, you know, I, I love to say LinkedIn is the greatest ongoing business conversation that the world has ever seen. Right. 700 million people all just hanging out. Yeah. And at least like a few million of them are are active in a conversation right now, yeah. including some of your competitors, some of yeah. your customers, some of your partners, you know, and, and you can, first thing is you can choose to join in that conversation or not, you know, right. you could just sit it out and a lot of people are. Uh, and But if you do decide to join in, you know, what, what skills do you bring to the table to actually add value to that conversation and and enhance your brand and your reputation and your relationships mm-hmm. and and become magnetic in that environment versus just repelling people so yeah <laughs> skill skills around right skills all over the place like i mean if if you're going to you know first of all and you and i were talking about this off air about your profile i mean 
goodness, move beyond. You talked about 10 years ago. Let's move beyond having a profile that looks like a resume. Let's make a profile a market-facing document. Who do you serve? Who do you need to engage? And what do they need to hear? Like, what do you want to tell them? What is important they know? So first of all, just fix your profile. I mean, that's just foundational. And and then, yeah, let's go on and talk about a whole bunch of other things too, but. Yeah, but let me pause you on that just because I, I think this is me just being excited that I'm, I'm talking to somebody who also gets it, especially when we're talking about, as you and I do a lot, uh, marketers and sales professionals and customer facing uh, professionals. A lot of these people, they think that social selling is just the posting of content, right? Or just the outreach. And I think I've found one of the things that, I mean, it's it's frustrating, but it's also keeping me employed, so I'm not going to complain, is that it's boring. It's not sexy to just sit there and do some of this strategic work and to write a good profile, right? It's it's much sexier to go, th- or at least to think about, oh, I'm going to post this, and then somebody's going to call me and say, yeah, I want to buy from you. It's a lot more boring to sit there on a Tuesday morning and go, I actually have to think through who is my target audience? What's the message that I need to hear? And then actually do a little bit of, of writing. And I don't think that's always a negative because, again, a lot of times people that are attracted to these, to these roles are not the quiet, shy introverts that just want to type and, and write all day. But at the same time, we do a disservice if we don't tell the people that are out there in these social selling roles or, and just social engagement roles, hey, how you look online matters, Right. Like it's just like a like a, a real world conference. You're gonna take a shower and, and hopefully <laughs> put some hope. good nice clothes. I mean, hopefully. I don't want to make assumptions here. <laughs> yeah, I, you're so right. I mean, it. There's no magic bullet. There's no one thing. Well, here's the one thing you need to do. No, it's 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 like saying you know what's the one thing you need to do to be a great hockey player. It's like a slap shot. That's a, that's all you need. You need a slap shot. Well, what about what about skating? What about passing? What about hitting? What about understanding the flow of the game? What what about on and on and on and on? Steve, right? you just demonstrated your Canadianness in one in one sentence there, or one example. I- in my mind, I was debating between hockey and basketball. I decided <laughs> okay. to go for hockey. So. There if you're a one trick pony, you're not going to get far, right? You got to mm-hmm. have the whole game. And yeah, so on LinkedIn, your profile is part of it. As we said, um, the, the way you build your network is part of it. Yeah. The voice that you bring, the way you express your point of view and your 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 vision of the future for your industry and and you know the way you bring that to posts is another part of your game the way you engage with other people's posts and comment yes. on what they say and and cultivate those that's another part of it the the one to one direct outreach that i'm not opposed to you doing that it's just like i said before people just like do only that you know right. but if you can work that in in the right time in the right way in a way more authentic value adding way. Well, that's another part of your game. And and the way you research comp- and identify who are the key stakeholders. I mean, if you're a rep who's got a hundred named accounts, I mean, you should know who the key, not just the key decision makers, but who the potential influencers are within that firm. And you should be, you should know who's active on LinkedIn and who isn't. And you should be really smart about the way you engage them and the way you don't chase them away by like barging <laughs> into their world with a pitch slap like i mean this is all this is the full game and and you can't you can't you can't succeed if you just say no no i'm just going to do this one thing to go back to something you said earlier which i think is really critical it's conversation 
right? It's about having conversations. So just like in the offline world, you have etiquette, right? And you have kind of the quote unquote rules of social engagement. It's it's the same thing here. And so if you decide, if you go into a platform like LinkedIn and go, how can I have conversations with people versus how can I spam, you know, everybody on my, my uh, prospect list? What happens is you start to actually have those conversations and that might be from sharing posts, but a lot of it I think comes uh, and, and and I think you've seen this too from actually engaging in other people's content, right? Or, or, or starting those those conversations in the comment section. But then what's really interesting when you do reach out, because that one on one point uh, conversation that point made is super valuable, right? That's the whole point. I, I think in the end, if all you're doing is just talking in the group, it's not as valuable as sometimes going, "Hey, wait, I can help this person. Let me send them a message." But if you've built the conversation, that one on one message isn't awkward or it's not even something that that person would notice is like if i'm having a conversation with you in the uh, overtime usually like in comments i think actually that's how you and i met right kind of having having uh engagement on other people's posts then we connected then it was like hey we should probably get together and have a conversation and it's led to collaboration it's led to us doing this conversation today but but it is really like yeah look at look at just kind of how you engage on a human level right and then drive the business from there. Does that make sense? Am I, am I talking strange things here? I'm hundred percent with you. I mean, that, that, I mean, we, it it may be B2B, but we're still humans. And Mm -hmm. uh, we, we also are very aware that there are people out there who just want to convert us into money. And we don't like that, right? We don't like (laughs) to be hunted and we don't like to feel that someone is in any way manipulating us, but but we, we do need to buy things and we do need to buy products and services and we do need to build we have partnerships. problems that we're trying to solve. And we have, yes, exactly. And we're, we're, we're going to lean into doing that with people that we have a foundation uh, that we know them a bit. We like them a bit. We trust them a bit. Yeah. And that, and I always caution people. It's like, don't think that someone's just going to be so enamored with your LinkedIn activity that they're going to just, you know, say, send me the contract. Like I'm signing, right? No, it's, it's uh, what you're doing is you're laying a foundation of trust. You're, you're, you're getting into the consideration set. You're, you're demonstrating that you have subject matter expertise that's relevant to them. And you have customer centric, buyer centric passion that's relevant to them, such that when they are in need of help solving a problem or, yeah. or accomplishing a goal, that you come to mind as someone who's credible and who at least has a foundation of trust there. And and now you're on the short list. And, and now yeah. it's up to your product and your pricing and your process and everything else to actually sell. You still got to do that. But I mean, if you can get into the consideration set every time, how valuable is that? And sometimes you can do even more than get into the consideration set. Like you can become the one to beat just right off the bat. It's like, okay, I I got this problem to solve. And I know that this person and this company is all over that. Right. So I'm already drawn towards them. Now I'm I'm I have a fiduciary duty to my organization to not just run and do business with them. <laughs> right, I'm right. absolutely going to talk to a couple others, but you know what? This guy has already helped mm-hmm. me frame 
the challenge, frame the problem, helped me frame the the language and and all this kind of stuff. So I'm already yes. kind of leaning that way. Now I'll go do my due diligence. But there's a darn good chance. You know how like in in an RFP, right? Every, ask any sales leader how they feel about RFPs, and they'll say, "Well, <laughs> they're 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 good or bad depending whether you get in front of them or not." Right? If right. if you can get in front of an RFP, help a firm write the RFP, then you love it. And yeah. if, if you can't, then it's terrible, right? Especially if your competitor helped them write it, then you, your win rate <laughs> is going to be exceedingly low. Well, I look at social done right as basically framing that. RFP yes. at scale. You can help an entire industry to understand the problem and 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 to frame the potential solutions in ways that are favorable to you and to your firm if you do it right. How valuable is that, right? It's not about leads. It's not about transactional metrics. It's about something way more important. I, I'm going to basically just clip out the, the last 90 seconds because you basically just described the uh, the sales Sherpa concept that I wrote about in Hyperconnected Selling and preach all around. I did so, not know I was plagiarizing you. I, for, forgive me. <laughs> no, we're, we're on the same page 100%. And the analogy I would use is uh, many people have seen the show, How I Met Your Mother. There was Barney Stinson was one of the characters played by Neil Patrick Harris. And even if you haven't seen the show, uh, he was definitely a fun character, but he always used to say that he had a guy for everything, like yeah. buying a suit, getting tickets to a show, getting a limo, whatever. He's like, I got a guy. What I really kind of liken this to is you become the guy or or the gal in your space and in your industry. And I think you touched on something really important that a lot of, to be straightforward, I think a lot of leadership doesn't understand, which is why they don't actually work with their teams to do this is you get to help define not, not the solution, but the actual problem. Yes. Right? And the reality is, is most of your buyers, no matter what you're selling, actually don't know what the problem is, right? Whether Big, small, because they don't buy all the time. They're just, they're just going, hey, I'm not getting X in my business or, hey, we're, I, I don't know, we're, our people are not happy, our, our people are leaving, what, whatever it is. And so- when you can come in and help them, as you said, frame it, so, I mean, that's key. I mean, and, and, oh, yeah. and in some ways, going back to something you said right at the beginning, you were sharing how social selling is often just seen as this uh, incorrectly as a top of funnel, just spam, spam, spam. I would almost argue that social selling really is the new top of funnel because it's we're, it's so noise out there because cold outreach is, I mean, it works, just not very efficiently that the new way to really build your funnel is through these long-term relationship-driven online through social and digital or even offline, but relationship-driven processes where you're bringing people and still kind of top of funnel, we still have to sell to them, but they're coming in it is a much better, like a truly qualified prospect, I guess I would say. Absolutely. They're coming in warm, right? As you say, you've helped them to define the problem. You've helped them to define the criteria mm -hmm. around which to evaluate solutions. And, and these things are happening in front of your demand gen engine, in front of your selling engine. You're right. shaping the market at scale such mm. that your demand gen and your selling moves into far more fertile 
fields. So, I mean, incredibly powerful there. But then, yeah, to, to pick up on what you just said, it goes beyond that. It goes beyond top of funnel, right? Uh, right? It is there and it's there in a very real way. But think about how this trust and reputation and relationship, think how this goes through the funnel, right? Your champion, that that first person who's, who, who's in there, is better able to bring the buying team together within their firm. Mm-hmm. If they trust you and they respect you, they're not going to bring their boss and their colleagues in four other divisions into this deal if they don't believe pretty strongly that you're the real deal and your firm's yeah. the real deal, right? If they yep. really, if they're on the fence, they're going to, yeah, they might go kick the tires on their own. They're not putting their, their own neck out to bring yeah. those others in. So if they trust you and they believe in you, now they're bringing the buying committee together, right? Now they're, they're looking for reasons to make this deal happen. Like, you know how it is when you've been a buyer, sometimes you're looking for reasons to make it work. Sometimes you're looking for reasons to rule this guy out yeah, and yeah. rule this company out, right? And, and yep. it's just it's just human nature. So if you've got that trust, got that reputation, you frame the market, you bring the buying committee together, you build positive momentum because they're looking for ways to make this happen. And then when you do get the signed deal, it doesn't even stop there. All this trust and reputation yeah. and everything um, helps them to roll out faster and and get to value faster because there, there's just this momentum ac- like across the finish line and beyond within the client organization where they're like other people are not saying ah this looks like flavor of the month I'm gonna go I'm gonna go sit this <laughs> right, one right, right. out maybe in a couple right. quarters if anybody still cares maybe I'll get involved they're like yes. I don't want to miss the boat on this like there, there there is a momentum here so all this trust and relationship and market shaping carries right through to the sale Beyond the sale, as you roll out, you get them to value, you expand your footprint within that organization, you 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 generate really authentic, organic referrals. And that's yes. why I always take a hard stand when someone says, oh, social selling is about top of funnel. No, no, no. It's You're just seeing the top of the iceberg. There's a big iceberg under there. Yeah. And I think something that's really important that you were talking about there is the idea. So let's think about like kind of mid-funnel. As we've seen in this, I mean, this was before the pandemic, but I think it was heightened by the pandemic. They talk about how big buying committees are and how many people are involved. And depending on what study you're looking at, it's eight or it's 13 or it's 11 individuals involved in a, a B2B selling decision or buying decision. There's a lot of people and there's a lot of moving parts. And I think a way, in a way that wasn't true 20 years ago, right? Because there wasn't the the same level of, in engagement and the, the easy access information that we have. So one of the things I think of as well that's so important that is often neglected is you have that champion, that person, that point of contact, you're, you're building a relationship with them. Maybe they're on board, but they are. They're going to bring in their boss. They're going to bring in maybe some of the end users. They're going to bring in the CFO maybe or the finance person who's going to actually sign off on, on writing the check. When all those people are coming into the funnel, it's like what what is the first interaction that those people have with you. And these days, especially, I think it they, they go, okay, let me look at this person's profile. I'm going to do a quick Google search. Susan wants me to meet with this vendor. You know, okay, what am I getting myself into? And you just ask, like, have you set yourself up for success for all of those different stakeholders? 
and for them to get access information on you and your organization beyond just the company website? Or are you kind of behind the eight ball right from the very beginning, right? Absolutely. Do you come in looking like a subject matter expert personally over and above the competency and the reputation of your firm? Do you come in looking as a subject, looking like a subject matter expert? Do you come looking in like you've got real passion for, for this profession, this industry, this solution, solving this problem. I mean, yeah, then when they're checking you out, they see an amazing profile, they see amazing content that you're sharing, they see you engaging all over the place, and they just form an initial positive impression of you. Plus, your champion introduces you in a different way. Instead oh, of yeah. being like, yeah, so I want you to meet the rep from ABC Corp. Instead, they say, I want you to meet the guy who I've learned a lot from. I want you to meet the guy who's helping me solve this problem. I want you to meet the guy who's walking me through this whole thing. And I'm just like, I'm really leaning into the way he or she understands this thing. I want you to meet them because they're pretty great. Like I'll take that second introduction introduction over the first one any day, right? And, And let me show you the post they just put on LinkedIn that's about what we're working on. Yeah. And hey, it got you know, 2000 views. So he must be an expert. I once had a CMO tell me that she had a rather older and non-technically savvy CEO that she reported to. She was printing out my LinkedIn posts on paper and putting them on the CEO's desk. And she was like, you need to be reading what this guy's saying. And I know you're not going to go on LinkedIn and read it yourself. So I'm going to print it out and I'm going to put it. And they ended up being a client for me because the CEO was like, okay, I got, I got to meet this guy. I got to talk to this guy. Right. It works. Right. I can't measure. I couldn't like, I would not have known that. If she hadn't have told me. So there's just so many things going on here, right? There's, there's things you can't measure. And there's frankly, even the sense of, of trust and camaraderie that led to her telling me that she did that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, and I just, I was like, oh my God, I I was super flattered and I was super thrilled to have them as a client and it wouldn't have happened without any of that. I, I love that. We could keep talking about this for hours, and I'm sure we'll have to do that over, you know, beers when someday we finally meet in person. I mean, that's kind of one of the things I do love about the fact that we've embraced technology a little bit more is that it's allowed us to kind of make these connections beyond just our city, our state, or even our country. Uh, before I start out talking about music with you, which I want to do, if you were in a, let's say, a a, a leadership uh, revenue role, you know, and you're listening to this conversation. What do you think are one or two places where people can start? So let's give 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 uh, some takeaways, not the secrets, right? Not the one trick, but like where are some places to start organizationally if people aren't really uh, you know using social the way that we're talking about in the organization? Where would you start? I, I I'm gonna fall back on something I said a little earlier. I'd start with the mindset. Honestly, I think okay. that far too many people with the best of intentions race right into tactics. Well. Guys, mm-hmm. here's the three things I need you to do. And, 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 you know, maybe people do it, maybe they don't, but they, they don't really know why. And, you know, their heart's not in it and it doesn't go very well. And as soon as you stop watching them, they stop doing it. Right. So right. I, I would always start with the mindsets that this idea of LinkedIn as a conversation, not as a hunting ground and not as a broad. We didn't even talk about all the things, Mark. We've been, we've been, we've been jumping on salespeople for all the things they've been doing wrong. We haven't even talked about all the things that marketers are doing wrong, like just treating LinkedIn as a broadcast advertising channel. Yeah. 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 So, you know, I, I would start by saying, 
I, I'd focus there, right? Uh, and get, pe- get people thinking longer term, thinking relationship, thinking credibility, thinking trust, um, and not thinking these these transactional little wins. Um, and and then it, when it comes into okay, so what can I do? I, I would I would just focus on like three things. I'd say like just fix your damn profile, really. Yeah. Like just like have a buyer centric profile. Let's talk about what that means. Let's help each other write them. Let's not be robots. It's not like here's the boilerplate. Mm-hmm. Now go go yep. do exactly that. That's not authentic. But right now it's a dog's breakfast of awful profiles out there. <laughs> um, right, right, so right. I would I would work on okay, we got the mindset right. Okay, good. Now let's have good profiles would be number one. Yep. Um, let's share some content that's actually interesting and valuable to our audience. Some of you might write that content. Some of you will share, you know, from industry publications and academic institutes, like whatever, like what's going on in your industry? Like who do you serve? You know, mm-hmm. you know that you, you know, you serve operations professionals in the automotive industry. Well, <laughs> where's the content for automotive industry where's the content about operate about advancements in operations management where where's the concept like, oh sorry where's the content yeah. that you can use so that people go oh this guy gets me this guy gets my world and you know what else is going to happen in the process you're going to learn a lot more about your target audience by reading those things and, yep. and, and then sharing them in a way that you set them up with a re- you don't just go here's an article right you, <laughs> you say like i i found this fascinating and it made me realize that x y and z and or yeah. I, I i i you know they've highlighted the three three big changes going on in automotive industry and i think they've missed the fourth one and here's what i think is the fourth thing and you know so you're learning your your signaling credibility and passion for your industry so get your profile right start sharing relevant valuable content and then start engaging with other people. Start, yeah. start commenting on their posts and not even their posts. Like, uh, frankly, a lot of the people that you want to sell to, they don't post anything at all, but they sometimes comment on other things. Watch what they comment on. Watch whose stuff they comment on and look mm-hmm. for ways to get in there and add some incremental value so that they start to notice you. So if you did nothing else, if you did the fix the mindset, fix the profile, share some good content and start doing some value added commenting, you're going to be miles ahead of most of your competitors. I love that. And it's interesting you talk about mindset at the beginning, because one of the things whenever I'm talking to a group, whether it's five people or 5,000 about social, I, I always spend a lot more time up front talking about the the why's and the, and the how's versus just the, the what to do's. And sometimes the, the people hiring me will ask why. And I'm like, hey, if they're not bought into why they're going to do it, they're not going to do it. But if you show them, hey, this is how you actually make your life better and get better results, all of a sudden people tend to pay a lot more attention, right? Absolutely. Nobody cares. Nobody cares about how and unless and until they they understand why. Yep. So here's one of my patented non- non-flowing, uh, non-sequitur transitions, how, uh, something like that? Yeah. Question out of left field. Contemporary Canadian rock. Yes. We were talking before we hit record about your favorite music and you said classical, classic rock, right? I'm like, I, you know, I got, I can wrap my head around that. 
contemporary Canadian rock. Okay, okay, who is? I don't even. I'm, I might be showing my coolness level and or lack thereof. Who who does that even yeah. include? Well, you know what? You're, you're, here's the <laughs> and thing. Tell me is, why. Tell me why I should be listening to these. Yeah. These well, you know, actually, Canada is home to a ton of amazing musicians and a ton of amazing bands. Very, very few of them ever get any traction in the U.S. So you are forgiven and far okay. from alone. Okay. And yeah, okay. um, it's funny. There, there's bands that are actually like you, you think that you know Canada and the U.S. are culturally so aligned we we right. we all watch the same movies and we all watch the same tv shows we're all streaming the same things on netflix and then you get and even within some genres of music it's all the same you get to rock and it's like nope it's different totally different um <laughs> like we've 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 got like arkells and sam roberts and and uss and mother mother and all kinds of bands i mean it kind of started back uh i mean years ago the tragically hip right they they came okay out, i know that name they came out name. of canada and they like they're like gods in canada like just just unbelievably huge and and, and you know the, like in, in and in i think Tor- i've heard of them right? in, yeah, <laughs> yeah. In, in toronto they'd sell out you know three nights in a row at the biggest stadiums. And then you could go see them in, in Cincinnati in a, in a 2000 uh, <laughs> right. seat venue. And they wouldn't even bother playing in Texas because they couldn't even book a, um, but, but the same phenomenon happens with huh. these other bands are not nearly as big as, as, as they, as they once were sadly, Gord Downey, the, uh, the leader and lead singer of tragically hip and, you know, really the spiritual, center of tragically hip uh, passed away a few years ago mm. um but will always be in our hearts but there's mm-hmm. all these other great bands that um you know i, I was at a uh at the first post covid concert really in toronto um uh, a few i guess what a month ago now Kells. Okay. and they sold okay. out three nights in a row at a 10,000 seat venue Wow. I don't know if anyone in the US knows them, but you should. They're amazing. Never, okay. So wait, so the Arkells, like yeah. how do you spell how do you spell that? A-R-K-E-L-L-S. They're great. And okay. and and Sam Roberts, Mother Mother, uh, USS, I think I mentioned them before. There, there's a bunch of others. I don't know. They're just the first ones that are popping into so, my so mind. So what today. is what is what is the style of contemporary uh, Canadian rock? Like what what is it? I mean, is it are are we because I know like in the United States and in many ways, I'm not cool with, uh, you know, what's what's modern and hip even in the States here. But I know like we went through definitely kind of a, a roots rock thing, you know, definitely trying to get a little more to the, the almost uh, bluegrassy for a while, it seemed. I, what, what What's happening north of the border? Yeah, Is it just like I, full on old rock or it's a pretty uh, mixed Brian bag. Adams? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, there's another uh, oldie bit of goodie. Yeah, I, I mean, I think there, there's, and it tends to be guitar based, right? We're not, we're not okay. talking about, and, and it tends to be, you know, like five guys on stage with instruments. We're not talking okay. choreographed dance shows. We're not talking <laughs> craziness. You know, we're talking, okay. five, you know, four or five guys with their instruments. Now, interestingly, uh, Arkells though, they have a four piece horn section and, and, and three female backup singers. They're, they're like this 12. Oh, you just sold, you just sold me. I love like, like 12 R&B and soul. Extravaganza. But you know, it's, still at its at its heart it's it's guitar bass 
drums and a singer uh, okay. and, and, and kind of like mainstream rock and roll. Uh, Just some forward. of them, some of them go off a little bit more, you know, like USS has got like a little bit more of a hip hop feel to them in ways. Okay. And uh, Sam Roberts, I mean, until you listen to his stuff and if someone told you that he was writing these songs in the seventies or whatever, you'd go, Oh yeah. Okay. okay. Like he's, he's very, he's got that old school <laughs> feel. So there's not, there's not one thing, but they all tend to be really authentic, high energy, just like good time rock and roll. I love it. That's awesome. I love that. So it's good to know that there's still people playing real drum sets. Oh, yes. That's just, that's just, as a drummer, that just makes me happy. Every once in a while, I'm like, oh my goodness, are we going to get replaced, you know, <laughs> with drum machines? Because, I mean, they're pretty awesome now. And hey, they keep time and they don't speed up. So, you know. <laughs> it wouldn't it wouldn't be a rock and roll show without a, a shirtless drummer working his ass off in the back, right? I, I 100% <laughs> agree. It, it's funny, I go back when, and I listen to some of the live recordings from when I was playing in a band, which is definitely in the rearview mirror now. And I just, I still go, why didn't anybody tell me I was playing it that fast? You know, <laughs> but everybody kept up, everybody kept up. But I'm like, we were, uh, yeah, that's, that's about 20% faster than we had on the recording. So you just, you got, you just got excited. You got into it. <laughs> and what's funny is that really is what it, I mean, it was consistently fast. Like I wasn't all over the place. I was just, I just started, you know, instead of at 120 BPM, it was about 135 and we just went for it. And I think you're to your point, a good live band. I mean, they vibe off the, 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 the audience. And if everybody's excited, it's hard to play slow when everybody's fired up. Right? <laughs> so true. So true. I can't believe we just spent 10 minutes talking about contemporary Canadian rock on a social selling podcast. This has been a lot of fun. That's just how I roll, right? Uh, all right. Before we dive even farther into the weeds, probably a good place for us to stop. One thing, Steve, I always ask my guests at the end of our uh, conversation, what's one piece of advice you'd give somebody to help them have a better day today? Slow down on your deliverables, your OKRs, your metrics, your 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 never-ending march towards um, ticking a few more things off your to-do list. And take time build a new relationship and nurture an old one. It, it, it takes time. It's, and it doesn't happen if you don't slow down a little bit and do it, but great things can happen from it. I'm so glad that you and I slowed down from all we've got going and took the time to get to know each other. And, and here Absolutely. we are, we're, we're having a good time, but we're also helping each other in different ways. Um, and, and no doubt we will continue to, you know, so form that, that one new relationship and, and then go back and nurture one from the past that you've been letting slip. You've been letting go, not from any malice, but just from everybody's busy mm -hmm. and be the one who reaches out and says, hey, what are you up to? And was thinking about you and we should jump on a Zoom call and you'll, you'll be glad you did. I know Love I'm it. glad when I do it. I don't do it as much as, not, as much as I should, but I do make an effort in both of those regards and I'm always happy when I do. Fantastic. Well, and a good reminder for to you to do it some more. So I love that. Uh, people want to continue the conversation. What's the best way for somebody to, to reach out to you? Find me on LinkedIn. Don't pitch slap me. 
<laughs> I'm not your next meal, but uh, come find me on LinkedIn. Let's uh, let's uh, celebrate each other. Uh, I, I publish a lot of content almost every day. I would yep. love it when people engage with that content. Um, and I also spend a lot of time reading other people's content. And I, I learn so much and, and I enthusiastically engage with other people who share valuable, interesting, challenging content. Um, so uh, yeah, look, I, I got a lot of LinkedIn buddies and I'm always happy to have more. Fantastic. We'll make sure, of course, that we get the, the links to to you on, uh, on the show notes as well. Uh, and of course, thank you to our uh, sponsors today, Dovetail Brewing. The Baltic style porter is what I, uh, I would like to say am drinking, but no, I have drunk the uh, Baltic style porter. It is empty and it was as always delicious. They're uh, out of Chicago. And of course, if, if you can't find them wherever you are, if you're, you're not here in the Chicago area, that's fine. Go support your local craft brewery, uh, distillery, uh, vineyard, coffee roaster, underwater basket weaver, but go support the local people who are uh, trying to, to really provide uh, a high quality product or, or service in your neighborhood. They could use the help. And of course, as well, thank you to Northcut SEO for sponsoring us. Uh, if you want to get found online, and that's pretty important in this day and age, they can definitely help you do that and find them at northcut.com. And there's two T's in cut. And with that, everybody, I say this all the time, and I truly mean it. Thank you for spending a few minutes of your precious time with us, uh, listening in on this conversation. I really do appreciate it. If you've enjoyed what you've been listening to, feel free to subscribe, hit one of those rating buttons on whatever podcast app you're using. And of course, the best way for people to find out about our podcast is from their friends. So if you're digging this, maybe go share this uh, episode with somebody who you think would enjoy it as well. Until we uh, chat again, be well, be safe, take care of yourself and take care of others. And we'll, uh, quote unquote, see you next time. Bye. Thanks for stopping by. You can find show notes and links in this episode at beerbeatsandbusiness.com. We all know the best way to find out about a new podcast is through our friends. So please help us out and share what we're doing through social media or just tell someone. And if you could do us a favor and leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform like iTunes or Stitcher, that would be great. Want to get in on the conversation? Send DeepFish a message on Twitter at DeepFishRockstar. And we'll save a spot for you at the bar for the next Beer, Beats, and Business. <laughs>